the frenzy. I'm Melissa Carter. And I'm Jen Hobby. And here is our promise to you. The frenzy is here to change the conversation around age so that you can celebrate all your years rather than lie about them. We are ready to share an honest and humorous take on what it means to claim your real age while rejoicing in it. Melissa and I just figured out this morning how to change the battery in my fire alarms on the ceiling so there's no more chirping in my house. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> just this morning. I'm Jen and I want to freeze my daughters in time right no. now. They are at the most delicious ages, seven and five. Oh. I'm like, stop growing. Just stop right there. <laughs> You guys are so awesome. Sweet. So what happened to your smoke detectors? Because, because, I mean, it's just a battery issue, Jen. It's just a battery issue. And my it's been chirping in the garage for a year. Okay? I'm going to call myself out. I've just a let year? it chirp. You're because kidding. we're in a pandemic. I can't. I was like, I couldn't have anybody come over. And I'm like, damn it. I'm, and then it started chirping near the bedroom. The one oh, in the upper. No. And my son was like covering his ears and I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. And so it goes back to conversations we've had where I'm not going to rely on somebody. Look, ladies, stop relying on your man to get these things done. Figure this out for yourself. I don't got a man. I'm never going to have a man. So <laughs> going to say your, yeah. your only man is five, six. My only, six yes, yeah, so my only okay. man is six. And I don't want to be the woman who, when he's a teenager, has have him do everything, right? I went on YouTube and I'm like, here is the model of what I got. And because I would take it down is the t- anyway this is probably too long but w- take it down off the thing and the wires and i'm like well, where's the battery compartment so i couldn't find the battery compartment and i gave up in the garage i'm like screw it i can barely hear it so when it happened upstairs i'm like well i gotta find the battery compartment and so i went on youtube and found the battery compartment and then changed it out this morning and i texted to mr carter's grandmother and i said tell him that I, that mama figured it out because i think that's also important for him to understand that mama figured it out for herself right so he didn't think that girls always are in distress i can't believe it took <laughs> you a year <laughs> i'm 50 Sorry. years old I, oh, actually i'm 51 this week okay my birthday is this week i it took me 51 years to figure out <laughs> damn it i got in there i got up that ladder Okay, coming up on today's <laughs> show, our guest is a woman leading the way in the very male-dominated world of sports. We cannot wait to introduce you to Morgan Shaw Parker. She's vice president and chief marketing officer for the Atlanta Falcons and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This is a great conversation, so that is on the way. And Jen is going to give you the pep talk for your week. It's going to lift you up, pat you on the back, get your week started off right. And we want to say thank you so much for listening to The Frenzy for our very first subscription subscribers who leave a five-star review, you are entered into a drawing for an all-new Echo Dot fourth-generation smart speaker with Alexa. And we're going to be picking a lucky listener coming up this Friday, March the 12th, 2021. So if you're listening at a later date, then sorry, sorry, (laughs) but we'll have more prizes. And all you have to do to be entered to win is subscribe to the Frenzy podcast and leave us a five-star review. We'll put everybody's name in a hat and draw a winner coming up this Friday. So, Melissa Carter, how are you other than your smoke detector defeat? You're a champion. I'm so proud of myself. I got to be honest. Like, I literally did a dance in front of the cats. You know, the struggle that I've been dealing with the past few months, and I've shared this with Jen off air, and I'm going to talk about it now. I'm entering into menopause. I have so many questions (laughs) because I don't know what that means. 
And I don't know all the answers either, Jen, but I'm just going to tell you my experience so far. And like I said, I'm 51 this week. The symptoms started back last summer. So to give you a little bit of a timeline, my mother passed in May of last year. And there's a reason I'm telling you this. In June, I started losing my hair. And I noticed in the shower that more hair was coming out as I washed, you know, my hair in my hands and a brush, my conditioner brush. And, and I was like, well, that's those are kind of big clumps. But I dismissed it to my mother's death. And so I thought I'm just stressed out. We're in the middle of a pandemic. At that point, I'd been home for several months and starting to get used to the idea that I'm going to be home for a long time. Because I think in the beginning of the pandemic, we all thought this is only for a few months. This is last year. Sure. This has been done by the summer. Here we are. By June, I was, again, mourning the passing of my mother. We had to go against her wishes and cremate her because we knew that we couldn't have a funeral because all of her relatives were in the vulnerable risk age. And I was vulnerable because of my kidney transplant. So we made the decision that mom will have to forgive us. And we had her cremated so that we could wait until whenever this was over. And we still have not had a service or a celebration for my mom. So there was a lot going on. So I was losing my hair. That's what I dismissed it to kept losing my hair, kept losing my hair. And I was thinking, I'm a little concerned. I have a lot of hair, but it's very fine. So I don't have a lot of volume to my hair, but I do. I did have a lot of strands. I had a lot of hair and they were just kept coming out. I thought, at what point is this going to start showing? Because it was like over the next couple months, I was like, this is not, this is not right. Then I started having hot flashes and it wasn't at night. I just would have them during the day. And it felt like this, um, this nerve ending kind of like all of a sudden I, I started having like chills, but the chills turned into heat and it turned into sweat. And I was like, oh, dart. Like, where does the heat start from? Is it like in your chest? Is it in your head? Is it under your armpits? <laughs> For me, it was it was just all over. Like I have a friend who's going through the same thing and her like she's like it just it's from the inside out. You normally you get hot from the environment and sweat. This is your body is churning that heat. And so for me, it was just a I don't know, you you know, when you think of something and you get chills you know, and it just kind of spreads across your body. Well, that's to my symptom was that it just was spreading across my body and turned into this heat. That's when it clued me in because everybody knows about hot flashes, but not, not too many people know about the hair loss or they don't talk about the hair loss. So I was going to confirm it. Now, being a transplant recipient, I've been at home. I asked my nephrologist, who's my kidney doctor, she was looking for lab work. I did have to go to a lab area near me to get labs drawn just so that she can keep up with me during the pandemic. So when I, I contacted her and I said, look, I'm having these symptoms. Do you mind including in it hormone tests that she wouldn't normally do? And she said, yes, I will. And sure enough, in the in the test, it showed that I was pre-menopause. So I'm not Full menopause. So, Jen, basically what's happening is I'm running out of eggs. Mm -hmm. And so my body is starting to ramp up to supplement what I'm not going to be producing in my own body when the, uh, the eggs are out of my ovaries. One of the things that disappointed me a little bit is the knowledge that menopause is not just this one year, two year, and you're in and out. It is a decade long process where you're Whoa. pre where you're pre-menopause, then you go into menopause, and then you come out of menopause. So it's this wave. So many have gone through all the processes. I'm in pre-menopause. There's plenty who are in the middle of it, and there's plenty who have been done with it and said good riddance. Well, so, and there's plenty like me who are, I mean, it's an inevitability. We're going to yep. approach it. We're going to face it and go through it. I'd like to know more about it so that I'm more educated. I think it's something 
something that women are afraid to talk about, don't you think? I think they're afraid to talk about it. And I don't think the medical profession has done a great job of getting that information out there where it's just common knowledge. So many people have a dread that, that event, which to me, there's nothing to dread. And I also think that that is the point in which a lot of women uh, historically have now we have no value. We're no longer valuable because we can't procreate. I mean, we can't reproduce. We can still procreate, I guess, but we can't reproduce. But I and think that- it's a, a stage of great freedom not to have a period anymore, not to have to worry about a cycle. Mm-hmm. Like we could really change our mind around it, couldn't we? Absolutely. There's also supplemental things you have to do. A friend of mine who was going through the very same thing when I called her and I said, I guess what? I think I'm I'm here. I'm right. I'm in the club. She was like, well, I can give you the list of supple- over-the-counter supplements that her gynecologist has recommended. Now, I, I'm a believer of have your own doctors and don't do what somebody else is doing. Mm-hmm. But what I did do is I, I made an appointment with my gynecologist, but I couldn't get in until April. So I let her know what was going on and everything's cool. And she had no directive for me immediately. In the meantime, I did take that supplement list. Now, my friend has is having to take a ton of it. So I wish I had, I had the list for it. But I'm talking about vitamin D, vitamin C, CONX or CO something. I don't know. It's going to be new language for me. But that's when you hit menopause. You'll learn about these supplements because your body's being depleted of it. And so the reason your hair is coming out, the reason you have hot flashes is because your body is adjusting to the chemical changes in your body. The reason we have pimples when we hit puberty is because of the chemical changes in our body. So the same thing with menopause. You've got to be on top of it to make sure that you can minimize the symptoms. And so when I started on the bare minimum of these supplements, that my friend is on, my hair stopped falling out and the hot flashes stopped. So that shows you I'm just dipping my toe into the premenopause phase. Now, when I go see my gynecologist, then I'm sure she's going to give me a full regimen because my friend is also on some hormone replacement therapy, which you'll end up having to get on because they find that and this is Melissa talking. I'm not a doctor. I, and you I don't play one on TV. I don't play one on TV. I may play <laughs> one late, you know, in private. But I, th- <laughs> I think to me, my interpretation of everything is we're living longer. Okay. That's one of the beauties of life is we're living longer, but our bodies sometimes haven't adjusted to that living longer. I think like dementia and Alzheimer's is a testament to the fact the brain doesn't know how to live to be a hundred, even though our bodies can live to be a hundred. Well, I think the same with this. I don't think that there has been dedicated research until recently into menopause and the respect of women and to celebrate, like you said, this part of our life to where now they understand, oh, we can do this and do a a cocktail of this and a combination of this to make sure a woman doesn't have to be as uncomfortable as she would if she wasn't on anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think our bodies, they're just now understanding what is being depleted in our bodies and why we have these symptoms. I think we're getting to the point where future generations of women won't have to have the same symptoms that our mothers and grandmothers had because we're understanding what's going on. How important is it to have a good relationship with your lady doctor? Vital. I will will say that we've been going to gynecologists since we were middle school, right? Or should have. Uh, As soon as we started our periods, then we should have had a relationship with our gynecologist. Late bloomer over here, high school. (laughs) 
Oh, that's okay, honey. It's all right. <laughs> did you feel bad? Ba- well, you know what? We no, I love that, Jen, because we need to change that conversation into the same with menopause. Right. Or somebody who goes to menopause later than others have to say, Well, I didn't hit uh, menopause until I was in my late fifties. And we're like, yeah. look at you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> used to we could wear white pants and you can't yet. <laughs> the conversation needs to change and it should be funny. But to answer your question, I am a firm believer that your doctor should know more about you than anybody else in your life. And you should have a solid relationship with that doctor. If you don't like your doctor, go to another one. That's what second opinions are about. You don't work for the doctor. The doctor works for you. And if you have somebody that you can trust and feel good about and be with and and see twice a year at least, then you're going to be fine. And you have somebody that you can rely on for this stuff. Melissa at thefrenzy.com, Jen at thefrenzy.com. We want to have more conversations. We want to have guests on, you know, we want, we're trying to find a gynecologist to come on and answer your questions. I mean, because this is a core issue in our age group is mm-hmm. menopause. And like I said, when I learned that this was like a decade long experience, <laughs> I was like, well, let's get it started then. Hell, I mean, because I, I want this to be over with. <laughs> so might as well start at 50, 51. Yeah, it's head on out. Even like using the language around it, you know, women will say, I'm going through the change. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a bad word to say the word menopause. It's like, yeah. ah, you know, it kind of puts the brakes yes. on or something. It feels impolite to call it by its real name. You must say the change and you must whisper it. Isn't that Mm -hmm. what our society tells us? The reason people whisper menopause is because that means you're old. Because (laughs) if your ovaries have stopped working, then you're old. And so many women who have to have hysterectomies have to go through this prematurely. We may have listeners who are like, oh, I was done with that. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, because of a hysterectomy. Women's bodies should not be such a mystery. Women's bodies are fascinating and wonderful, and they bring life to this world. And menopause should be part of that magic. Ladies, if you're going through stuff, if you're diving deeper for more meaning, you're not alone. You are here with friends. That's why we call this The Frenzy. Is there a topic you'd like to hear us talk about here on The Frenzy? Just email us, melissa at thefrenzy.com or jen at thefrenzy.com. The Frenzy will be back right after this. Cancer sucks. And finding out your friend, your coworker, or your family member has it sucks even more. So of course you ask, what can I do to help? And then flowers are temporary. Food doesn't feel like enough. Well, we've got the answer. Kick It Pajamas. Designed by cancer survivors and caretakers, Kick It Pajamas sells hospital wear and clothing for those undergoing cancer treatment. Kick It Pajamas and clothes are stylish, comfortable, and functional for care by medical staff. Give the gift of Kick It Pajamas to stylishly dress your loved one for battle. A portion of proceeds helps kick cancer off the planet. Go to kickitpajamas.com. That's kickitpajamas.com. Melissa and I are so excited to share with you this conversation with Morgan Shaw Parker, a woman leading the way in the very male-dominated world of sports. Morgan is Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for AMB Sports and Entertainment, otherwise known as the Atlanta Falcons and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Without further ado, ladies, please help us welcome the trailblazing Morgan Shaw Parker. Welcome to The Frenzy Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. 
We are so excited for this conversation. Y'all, Morgan is the vice president and chief marketing officer of the Atlanta Falcons and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. She has 25 years in the sports business, <laughs> including 10 years at Nike, where she launched Nike's partnership with the NFL. And throughout her career, she's been a vocal advocate for women and girls in sports. So we are so excited to talk with you today. Well, I couldn't be more excited to be here. Thank you so much. There's been so many advances that we've seen in media with women in sports lately, mm -hmm. especially around the Super Bowl. We had our first ever female referee in the Super Bowl. And then we've seen the accolades for the female coaches that are on the staffs of these uh, NFL teams. Is that something that you've always known is around and possible? Do you like the coverage that you're seeing? Is that something that in the culture of people and thinking sports is all men? Do you think that's changing? I absolutely think it's changing. It's definitely always been there. But what I see more now is an avenue for women over the last 10 years to really learn the sport of football, be in these internships, have doors open to them and a path to ask questions in a sport, specifically football, that's been predominantly male. But really being able to get into these positions and get their hands dirty a little bit. And you're seeing kind of the pinnacle of that. And now these women earning, these aren't just token jobs that, you know, check the box, we, we need to fill it with a woman. These women have put in their dues and are earning it. And, and I really appreciate teams, especially with the Buccaneers. And it couldn't be more perfect that they're in the limelight with the Super Bowl. But it's really cool to see that these women are thriving in these positions and the spotlight is on them. It's a lot of pressure because they carry the burden of so many other women on their backs. But I love how they're handling it. They're in the limelight, but they're able to tell their story along the way, which hasn't been the case in years and decades past. I mean, the 25 years that I've been in this business, that's not always been the case. Where did your love of sports begin? <laughs> that's a great question. You know, my sisters, I'm the oldest of five girls. My sisters all played sports. I played sports, but I wasn't really good at them. <laughs> so I was always trying out and I get cut or I try out and I do okay on an intramural team or whatnot. My sisters started growing up and they were better than me and they were kicking my butt all the time. <laughs> and so it was kind of this little competitive thing in me where I'm like, I can do that. Come on. It's funny. My love of sports came from really being competitive with them and don't ever invite them on this podcast because they'll tell terrible <laughs> stories about tortured them in their younger years. <laughs> I have an older sister just saying, I mean, the reputation may fit. I don't know. I mean, I'm the baby. So. I won't admit anything. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into the industry and starting to work in such a male dominated field, what would you say has been some of the keys to your success? I got into the sports industry a little bit by accident. 25 years ago, when I'm you know, at Nebraska and Cotty College, there wasn't a program for sport law. There wasn't a program for sports business. KU, even with my master's degree, didn't have a program. What was interesting is I, I thought at the time at Nebraska, I wanted to go into marketing, possibly, and I needed a marketing internship. And so a friend of mine, Ellie Charter, introduced me to you know, the head of the athletic department. And I thought, well, that's a marketing internship. Might as well try try it. Well, what was interesting is they had 24 sports at the time. From a football perspective, they needed someone as an intern, which is an odd place to be, an intern as the green hat on the field. 
for a marketing internship. We were learning all sorts of different things. And I had to all of a sudden learn all of the hand signals for the entire game. And so I was sitting there in front of the football team for the University of Nebraska on the 50-yard line with direct sight to the 50-yard line ref. And I had to learn the hand signals. And it was interesting because I knew the sport didn't know the hand signals, didn't know all the rules because I hadn't had a chance to ask all those questions. But that was a really interesting opportunity for me to see that there's a business side on the field, off the field. There's a lot more to it, but I had to start putting the pieces together myself. So when I ended up going to do my master's degree at KU, I was able to piece together things like sport law, sports business, and apply them to what I was actually doing when I worked full-time at the Chiefs. So I was getting my master's degree at the same time I was you know, working full-time, so I was able to apply it. It's been an interesting journey, but that's kind of how it all started. Morgan, when Jen and I worked together on a morning show years ago, there was always this idea that Jen and I were not going to get along because two women were on the show together, right? And because there was this reality show drama that was playing out that two women just can't get along. And of course, that wasn't true. Jen and I are like sisters and have always been. There's a reputation that a woman tries to get into a male-dominated world and he's going to try to kick her out. Like men don't want women in the room. Is that, again, just a fallacy? You know, how has your journey been in a male-dominated industry and your yeah. rise to where you are? Yeah, in, in a male-dominated industry, which it is, it's tough, but one of the differences in men and women, and you guys know this to be true, men communicate differently than women. And traditionally, since the sports industry has always been male-dominated, there's a lot of banter back and forth on sports all day, every day. Well, naturally, as a female, you bring a lot more dimension. Not that men don't, but you bring a lot more dimension to the game, to the sport, to that industry. And so, you know, one of the things that I've felt is challenging is even though I want to talk about sport all day long, sometimes the men want to talk about it 24-7. And so it, it's one of those things where it gets to be a challenge for women that enter this industry if they can't have that conversation back and forth. For me in this male-dominated industry, it's been fun, it's been challenging, but I haven't seen it being as much of a barrier because I've always gone into it with a, a bit of confidence in that space and trying to teach women along the way to do that themselves, to increase their versatility, to make sure that they're gaining that confidence as well. Because then when you know the language and you can speak the language, then you're just in with the group, it seems yeah, like. Exactly. And I was almost forced into an atmosphere where I had to do that. It definitely gave me a little bit more confidence as you see a lot more of these women joining in the ranks and getting these opportunities to participate, getting these opportunities to ask questions in this industry. They're actually getting the experience to be able to be side by side with a lot of the males that have kind of quote unquote dominated that space in, mm -hmm. in years past. I actually think that men are incredibly open-minded to it. If a woman isn't presenting herself as lesser than, there is a, a bit of a confidence factor sometimes when it's an unfamiliar territory, but I've had such good fortune of working with guys like Tom Osborne, Lamar Hunt, a gentleman named Brett Jukes, who is my direct boss, and Steve Cannon, who's the former CMO and the former CEO of Mercedes, just to name a few, and, and so many at Nike. And if you take the time to ask them the questions, you take the time to say, hey, how did you get here? What is it that you've done in the past? I actually find that I've had more 
male mentors than female. Mm-hmm. Some of that could be because there's not a lot of women in the business that are in these higher level positions, but I've actually had more men reach out and want to take me under their wing and want to teach than I have found barriers from a female perspective. That's awesome to hear. That's so great that yeah. you're, if you're willing to ask those questions. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I think not only in sports, but your experience applies to so many other industries and the frenzy is targeting women over 40. So what do you think women can do to position themselves for career changes and promotions as they get older? Are there any bits of advice you would offer in that area? Well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for actually creating a space where we can talk about this for women over 40, because in so many other realms, I'm asked to mentor younger women, which is incredible. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have mentors and many, many of them being female. I'm 44. I really do have to seek out my own mentors. So as mentors need mentors too. I find it to be a little bit isolating. Sometimes I'm one of three women in a VP position on our senior leadership team. And that's across Arthur Blank's seven businesses. And it is tough. The good thing is that our organization really recognizes that we've got a lot of ground to cover in diversity in inviting more females to the table. We as women have to seek that out too. We as women have to go seek out mentors. And I really look for mentors in other industries as well. I'm a big thing that I teach my team, not just at a young age, but at an older age too, it's to really always look to increase your versatility and your knowledge, be a sponge for learning other industries and then figure out how you apply it. And I really learned that back at Nike because you're really forced to do that. Their whole setup in terms of bringing someone in as a new employee, they really set you up to say, okay, you're going to spend two years in this job. And then in two years, we're going to intentionally move you to a completely different job. I was hired at the time to lead women's sports. And I thought, well, man, do you not want me to speak on behalf of men's sports? Because that's my entire career up until that date. What I realized is they wanted a different perspective for women's sports. They wanted somebody who could really take it to a different level and apply different thinking to it. So for me at this stage in my life, I constantly seek to do that for my own betterment. That's some advice that I would give to others in other industries as well. I talk to women in banking. I talk to women in tech. I talk to men in the NBA and I talk to women in other industries as well. It's It's been so invigorating to me because it also gives me the confidence that my skills do transition to other industries as well. And I'm not just able to make this happen in sports. You have to stay curious and you have to stay educated and we're always growing. And I think there's this mindset sometimes it's like, oh, well, I'm 40 plus years old. I've done this my whole career. This is all I know how to do. But it's actually not true at all. I love hearing you say that. COVID really made me think, oh my gosh, what if I lost my job? What would happen? Something also that I would say, and I, and I said this to, to myself when I took the job at Nike, I said, I'm not going to let this brand define me as a person. And I don't know why I said that to myself. I just really clearly remember it. But so many people that have been let go at Nike were really defined by that brand. They didn't know what their identity was outside of it. And so I really have kind of kept that mantra that I am more than just the Falcons or the Chiefs or Nike or any of that. For me, it's kind of an internal thing where, you know, I do feel like I could land on my feet somewhere else simply because if something happened, my entire personal identity doesn't go down the tube if 
I were to lose my job in COVID or in any other industry. You and Melissa and I are similar that we waited to have children and start our families a little bit older as moms. Do you like that? What are the benefits or maybe some of the challenges of being older when you start your family? Oh my goodness. There's so many really, really wonderful things about having kids at an older age. For instance, our friends have kids that are in college right now. And I'm like, I can't relate to you because my kid's eating his boogers over here. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the conversations we have. I mean, we talk about poop all day long and they're talking about, you know, what degree their kid's going to get. But you know, the good thing is that we all have been through it and we find common ground, but I can't even imagine if I were to have had kids at a younger age. And I thank God that I found a husband who can put up with my craziness at an older age and is willing to dive in and raise kids at this stage. I feel like I'm more mentally prepared. I have had time in my career to really establish myself, to figure out who I am before I'm trying to figure out how to raise another human. My husband and I went through IVF because I was told that I was of the geriatric stage to have kids at age 40, which is crazy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Obviously, geriatric and 40. I had to do IVF too. And you you talk about people making you feel old. Nothing will make you feel old than going to a fertility clinic. scaring the life out of you that your body can't do this. Well, yes, it can. And granted, you know, faith aside, thank God for medical technology and the ability to have a family when it was right for us. And I love love the fact that now I realize that it's okay to talk about those things. We were going through it, you know, years ago and we didn't know anybody else around that was doing it, but that's becoming so much more common to talk about those things. You know, for instance, Nike now, and, you know, having worked there for 10 years, they actually pay money towards your IVF, towards adoption, towards what used to be untraditional methods of being able to have a family and supporting that family environment. Now it's less traditional in the sports landscape, but they're making progress. My son has two mothers. When we would go into the fertility clinic, it was joyous, right? Because we did not have this internal feeling that we were failing. Biological, we need the help. You know, as lesbians, we have to have the help. So we would go in the the clinic, we'd sit in the waiting room, waiting, and we would just talk, and you'd be so excited, and this is so great. And everybody else in there was like it was a funeral. You know, and I felt so bad for the couples who felt like they are doing something wrong simply Mm -hmm. because they need the help. And I found that so sad. And I love that you bring that up because within that the lesbian community, it's a normal thing to talk about that thing within, you know, the heterosexual community. It's been taboo for so long. Mm -hmm. And so there's not help within or there hasn't been. Once we started opening up about it, I mean, I'm pretty much an open book about anything that I've experienced. And once we started to do that more, we found that there's a lot more people. In fact, more than not, you find people on a daily basis that have been through things like that. Morgan, I didn't want to miss this part of your advocacy for women and girls. I want you to share about the Girls Flag Football initiative that you've started with the Atlanta Falcons, because this is incredible. And I know that the first season's been underway and had championships and all this great stuff. I mean, Melissa, you've got to hear the story of what she's championed. I have the great fortune to be a champion of some incredible work that is being done in our organization. What's interesting is that it's becoming more prominent right now. We've, you know, obviously had a Super Bowl shining a spotlight on women and girls flag football. But for, I believe, the past five years, our CR team and a, a woman named Amanda Dinkle has been working to get the sport of football, flag football, sanctioned for women in the state of Georgia. That's a hard task. And it was full 
fully funded for one county and started with one school with our foundation being able to fund that program. And it's grown and grown. And it's actually over the past couple of years, I believe two years ago now, we were able to be the fourth state to actually sanction the sport for high school and for middle school. It's been this incredible journey because, and Jen, you and I had been talking about it. There was a perception in these schools and in these school districts that, oh, well, girls don't want to play football. There's a stigma too of, oh, you know, women in tackle football, we don't want to hurt them. You know, that would just be such a taboo thing. Well, we're not going and advocating that some linebacker come take out a, you know, helpless female over there. What we're advocating for is for young women to have the opportunity to learn a sport that has the opportunity to teach so many things in the area of personal and professional growth, teamwork, all the wonderful things that football has taught to men. It doesn't have to be tackle. It's flag football. That's all it is. Some of these schools where people were saying, ah, there's not an interest. They had 200 girls come out to a tryout and they couldn't have 200 girls on a team, but it just said to us, there's even more interest here than we even realized. Morgan, we have this thing that we've just started called the Frenzy Five, where we're going to wrap up today with five rapid fire questions, okay? So you don't have to to think about your answer. They can be really good. No pressure, okay? Okay. All right, number one, where is your cozy, happy place? In my cozy socks in my bed. Yes. Yes. I know it's a winter right now. As we're recording, we're all freezing. Okay, number two, what's your favorite framed thing in your home? Ooh, ah, okay. I have this massive three foot by three foot. Actually, I should have done this interview in front of that picture. It's a Liechtenstein reprint and I love pop art. It's this picture of this woman drowning and it said, I'd rather drown than ask Brad for help. thing. I got it when I was in New York and New York was very different for me coming from the Midwest, moving straight into the middle of the city. And it just epitomized my time there. Nice. Awesome. Number three, what's your most memorable birthday? 40. Because it was awesome. (laughs) And it's epitomized the most awesome decade so far. (laughs) Fantastic. Nice. Number four, what's a daily routine or ritual that you stick to? Oh, goodness. I don't know if I stick to any daily ritual. You have little kids. We, Brushing we need to my teeth like... is actually good. <laughs> it's going to be a good day if I get my teeth brushed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And the last one, number five, what fashion trend did you jump on? Oh, good grief. Oh, fashion trend. Mm, dare I say hammer pants back in the yeah. day? Yeah. You had yeah. some. Yeah. Oh, I did. They were awesome. How Ooh. loud were they? They were like Zuba pants and hammer <laughs> pants combined into one. And I rocked the heck out of them. <laughs> I I hope those pictures never surface, but I jumped right away onto that trend thinking that was me. That's going to be me. (laughs) I love it. Morgan Trump Parker, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow Morgan on Twitter and LinkedIn. On Twitter, she's at Morgan S. Parker. And of course, we want everybody to follow the brands that you create and distribute all over the world, the Atlanta Falcons and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You can follow them on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. And now Jen Hobby has your pep talk for this week. All right, let's cheer everybody up. Okay. 
Here's your pep talk. It starts with a question. Who can you lift up today? In what ways can you give positive attention to a woman over the age of 40 in your life who needs you? Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to be the change you want to see, right? Isn't that a Gandhi quote? Be the change Mm -hmm. you wish to see in the world. So when you think about an older woman, how can you give praise not only on her appearance, but for the work she does, the care she gives, who she is as a human being, how she makes you smile. How can you be somebody that lifts up another woman? I want you to think about that because so many of us throughout our lives are about like, well, what about for me? And what's in it for me? Or what kind of things can I have? You've got a lot inside of you that you can give to somebody else and lift somebody up today. Here's your pep talk. Your mirror mantra is, I'm a great Mm. friend. I will be the change I wish to see. You know what that makes me think of? I'm a great friend. I will be the change I wish to see. What that makes me think of is similar to our earlier conversation where I think a lot of people look at women 40 plus as if there's something wrong with them. They have an affliction and that affliction is old age. Right. Like I think people are like, ah, you know, I, how do you feel today? Are you how are you today? To be the change is to talk to women normally who are 40 plus. Don't look at a 60 year old woman and think, oh, how you doing? You know, like or talk loud to her because you're not sure if she can hear you or not. Like that's and, so ridiculous. And to me, it's about giving other women your respect and who else is witnessing that happening. So let's say you're in a meeting for work. This is an example. Now, a lot of them now are on Zoom because we're in COVID, but let's say on Zoom, like you are asking for feedback on something that's happening with work. Could you ask the older woman in the group first, thereby Mm -hmm. showing everyone else that she's a priority, that her value, do you know what I'm saying? There are subtle ways that women's value can be diminished or it can be highlighted and and lifted up. Mm -hmm. So in a room full of people or in a Zoom full of people, how can you highlight? highlight the older woman in that room? How can you put her on a pedestal? How can you make her feel good by valuing her her knowledge and her knowledge and what she's the best at? So Mm -hmm. what was something I was thinking about? Or if you're in a hiring position, are you considering older women for the job? Or likely not? Do you have some sort of internal bias to have a reckoning with, you know, something inside of you that says, you know what, maybe I wouldn't, why wouldn't I? And so That's what I want you to do this week. Who can you lift up and who can you call? Who needs to hear from you? Because here's your mantra. I'm a great friend. I will be the change that I wish to see. There's a generation of women who truly were trained to be wives. And then when they, their children grew up, they had no skills in order to get a job. But that is our grandmother's generation. Like that's our great grandmother's generation. I think we have to erase this stereotype that a woman in our in the frenzy group is somebody who doesn't have the skill set. These are we're talking to baby boomers and Gen Xers. Okay. We're not talking to the greatest generation anymore. I mean, if you're part of the greatest generation, we want you here, but you're likely not in a position where you want to go back to work. But if you're somebody who is a baby boomer or Gen Xer and maybe got laid off because of the pandemic, you have a wealth of knowledge and experience and expertise in your field, and you still have the energy to give another 10, 20 years to a job. I challenge anybody in a hiring position to hire an older woman for something other than the front desk. That's any time I ever see an older woman, she's at the front desk at the reception. Okay, great. 
not that she shouldn't be at the reception, but if you trust her to be the first face that your clients see, then why can't you trust her to be in the sales department? Why can't you trust her to be in the marketing department? To be in the C-suite. To be in, be the, in the C suite, yes. Office, why doesn't she have? Yeah, why doesn't she have a glass wall instead? Yeah, instead of a cubicle. Yeah. I'm a great friend. I will be the change I wish to see. I love that. Let's try our new segment called Dear Frenzy. Yes. Explain what this is all about. Absolutely. So, if you are someone who has a question about this age group, like you're 40 plus, and again, people just don't have enough conversations for women 40 plus, and you have an issue, any kind of issue, we want to bring it to the table. We want to represent your question. Melissa at thefrenzy.com or Jen at thefrenzy.com, please send us your question and we will have it right here on the show. And you can DM us on social media too, on Instagram. This one comes in as a DM. Dear Frenzy, okay. it's from Lenise. She said, would love a chat on the podcast about when to break up with friends. It's so challenging to make friends in midlife. So I tend to hold on to friendships longer than I would have in my early years. Would love some perspectives on this. What do you say? Screw it. Break up with them. Like I, I think the old, the beauty of <laughs> the beauty of being older is that you shouldn't care about what other people think as much. Okay, and I know you do if you had friends for a long time. I, as a lesbian, it's a little different for me because the friends that I have had to distance myself from is when the uh, attraction has been, become unbalanced. So basically, what I did is I just stopped responding, stopped responding to the text, stopped responding to the voicemails or emails. Like I just ghosted her she and slow fade. She got the slow fade. And if the thought of you causes me stress mm. at this age, it's like, I don't have time for that. I don't have the energy for that. I think Lenise has to think about breaking up with friends is not about like, oh, well, I should hang on to these ones because it's hard to make new ones. Mm -hmm. You won't make new friends if you're holding on to these because that's where you're spending your time. And if you're not happy with that time you're spending with those those friends or it doesn't lift you up or glass half full your life you won't have time to make new friends there's no reason to feel guilty or shame that you have a standard there's no reason yeah, there right. it, there's no reason as women that we can't have a standard of who we want to be with you have a standard for the men if you're straight you have a standard for the men in your life you have this list of what do i want in a man you have plenty of those, but what about your friends? It should be the same thing. They give you flowers for no reason. They're the ones that will be on your doorstep at, at a beck and call. They're the ones that just check on you just because. Yes. Here's a good litmus test. Ready? Okay. I'm ready. Is that, how, is that what it's called? A yeah. Lip litmus. Yes. Lip litmus test. Litmus test. I think it's L-I-T-mus, I think. <laughs> litmus. I don't know. Lip. I've always said lipness, but it's probably wrong. Anyway, here's a good test. <laughs> If you get a text from this person and you look down at your phone and mm -hmm. you've got a notification, are you like, oh, sweet, what'd they say? And open it right away. Or if you get a text from that person, do you go, oh, here we go again. You've got to pay attention to your emotional reaction to when that person reaches out to you. And that's a great whatever test. Litmus. I looked it up. L-I-T-M-U-S. Litmus. Litmus. I've always said it wrong my whole life until right now. See? Thank Look goodness. what the frenzy's for done the frenzy. for you. Well, if you guys have a question for Dear Frenzy, 
Dear Abby, dear, dear friends, yes, <laughs> you can reach out to us uh, on social media, like Melissa said, via email, Jen at the frenzy.com or Melissa at the frenzy.com. And you can also send us a voice memo with any questions that you might have for us. And then we could use it on the show. That'd be really yeah. cool. All you got to do is I know on Apple, it's called voice memos, the app, and you can send it via email on Android. I think it's similar. I forgot. I used to have an Android and I forgot what it was called, but you simply just ask the question. I promise you we'll edit it to make you sound good. So don't feel like you have to be perfect. We'll make you sound perfect. And the point is to get your question across. So thank you so much for reaching out to us. We would love for you to subscribe to The Frenzy. Thank you to the people who have already subscribed and left that five-star review. If you would like to subscribe today, leave that five-star review. We are giving away a prize this week, this Friday on March 12th, 2021. We're giving away that all-new Echo Dot fourth generation smart speaker with Alexa. This is your last chance to do that. So please go ahead and subscribe to the frenzy. Uh, Leave that five-star review. And also why not share it with a friend? If you've said, thank God, somebody's talking about this, (laughs) (laughs) then you need to share this with your friends who are 40 plus. We'll take people who are under 40. We're not going to be haters. And then you tag us online too. The frenzy is our handle on Facebook and on Instagram. And we want to let you know, if you're listening to the podcast, there's also a YouTube channel that we've just launched with video of our conversations. So just go to youtube.com, search for The Frenzy, and you will find the YouTube channel there. We have incredible conversations with all of our guests on the show, and they're always much longer than what ends up on the podcast. So for bonus content, definitely check out our YouTube channel. Just search for The Frenzy. And share that as well. I just want to give a shout out to the people who have already joined the frenzy. Let's say hi to Lisa Sullivan. Thank you, Lisa, for being a friend. Katie Bennett, thank you so much. And and these are not people that solicited us. We're paying attention. So we just want to give these shout outs. And SM Paris. I don't know what SM stands for. I think it's sensational. Mamma Jamma. Mamma Jamma. Sensational Mamma Jamma Paris. Thank you so much. She talked about how she loves starting her work week with the frenzy. So we appreciate that so much because we do drop a new frenzy every Monday. This soundtrack produced by Tammy Hurt for Placement Music, written and recorded by Placement Music creative team member Mark Daniels. The Frenzy's graphic design is by Helen Vickers and web design by Caden Jacobs. We just want to say thank you so much for your time. We know there's a lot of demands for your attention, and we're so glad and feel blessed that The Frenzy got your attention today. So thanks so much for listening. Until next week, trust your gut, use your voice, stop, stop lying, lying about, about, your, about age. your age. Damn it! <laughs> we did pretty good that time okay let's do it one more time can we do it one more time trust your gut trust your gut use your voice and stop lying about about your age there we go we'll see you next week (laughs) (laughs) i love it